It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box. The show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Gessman, coming to you on Monday, August 26th. That's right, just after the LA Galaxy's 3-3 draw with LAFC at Bank of California Stadium. Another El Trafico in the books. That's five straight now for the LA Galaxy without a defeat. Uh, so that keeps on rolling. We're going to have a whole bunch to talk about that game and, and what that means, what it doesn't mean, all sorts of fun stuff like that. Also going to go over the schedule as the LA Galaxy have seven games remaining, uh, four on the road, three at home, and what that does and where the LA Galaxy could possibly land in this playoff situation and maybe who they could even play in this playoff situation. So a lot to get to on a Monday show as the Galaxy get ready for a Sunday game in Seattle against the Seattle Sounders. Uh, a lot to get to and to help me do that, the pan himself, Mr. Kevin Baxter. What's happening, Kevin? Hey, there were 22,757 people at Bank of California Stadium on Sunday, and none of them were named Josh Gessman. That is, well, I don't know that we can say that definitively. I, I know there is one other Josh Gessman who lives in Ohio, um, and so we're, we're, we're Twitter friends, but I don't think he was at that game. So I could check just to make sure. I know I wasn't there uh, as my pregnant wife gave me the look about our number seven into us moving uh, from an apartment into a house. Um, we were we were moving and uh, and she was like, you're not going. And I'm like, yeah, I kind of I kind of figured that. So, so I didn't so get wait to go. a minute. You put family and health concerns. Yes. Above the above the game. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Who, who do you, th you who do you think you are, Andrew Luck? Yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> I was gonna say. Uh, I think Andrew Luck has more money than me. I'm pretty sure about that. Uh, well, you just bought a house, so I, I don't know. Well, it was I one. I did not buy. We're renting. Um, so you know, I'm I'm not made of of all that cash. But no, uh, my wife was. I kind of knew it might be a possibility, but I also thought, you know, whenever you're getting ready to move, Kevin, you're like, I don't really have that much stuff. It won't take that long to move. And we hired people to 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 move our stuff and and yeah, all this Boris Badenov. Apparently, <laughs> there were there were definitely some Eastern European guys who were uh, who were awesome. I really enjoyed them. They were they were a lot of fun. But uh, yeah, so yeah, right around uh, the four and a half hour mark where we thought it would take four and a half hours total to move everything, and we weren't out of our place yet we knew we were probably in trouble there yeah um, you were in stoppage time at we, that point. we were absolutely no the best part about this whole thing though if, if there was a galaxy twist to this i was talking to my wife about the galaxy saying hey i'm still trying to make the game the whole deal and she was sort of rolling her eyes at me and we were talking a little bit about zlatan as we were uh, as i was taking a little bit break from helping the guys move stuff up and down the stairs and she looks at me and she goes did you know zlatan ibrahimovic makes 7.2 million dollars and i looked at her and i go we're what? Why? Where did you look that up? Because she was looking it up on her phone. I'm like, where did you look that up? How would you? Whose article did you pull that from? Because you're talking to a guy who happens to know that off the top of his head. What else do you want to know about Zlatan? Put your phone down. Don't be looking up Zlatan. It's one thing I'm good at. I know things about Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Yeah, so, well, just I want to know who wrote the article that you. It was. Reading. It was probably yours. It was probably yes, your th article. Thank you. Yeah. But you know what? You have talked about missing the galaxy. You've missed a couple other games. You missed the the epic game with. Uh, Cruz Azul, you were not there. For I was that. not there. Yep, I missed that one. I missed the uh, the. Let's see, which Se I was Seattle game. I missed the Seattle game. Yeah, I missed three home games in the span of eight being gone for eight days. Uh, and so then you I missed, missed Dallas, Seattle, and the Cruz Azul game. Yeah, yep, those so were. The you ones. missed four Zlatan goals. I missed. Uh, I missed a ton of goals. I missed a ton of games. But I'll, I'll I'll tell you this: my dedication remains true. One didn't miss a podcast. While I was on vacation, thank you very much. Uh, how many points I had to turn that into uh, with my wife is it, well, I'll probably be paying that off for ten years. Um, so, I, so I did that one, uh, and uh, I didn't miss a game. Even on the East Coast, even with the 7:30 p.m. kickoff times, 10:30 at night, I was up. I was watching the game. I was tweeting the game. So I watched every single game. I saw them all. So. Yeah, well, the lovely and talented Michaela Pato Guessman, she is going to, that's why she was looking up the 7.2 million. She's yeah. figured some of that's got to be coming to her. <laughs> By the way, on your trip back east, you yes. saw a boat named Baxter. I and did. It was appropriately sinking. It, time. It, it was dry docked, which was also appropriate. Yes, it was not in the water. I said, I said the boat doesn't even float. Big surprise. Uh, that was in Annapolis. So we were, uh, we were there visiting. So anyway, it was good. Um, so but, ask me how to make an artichoke. <laughs> how, how do you make an artichoke? Squeezed around the neck. Uh, of course. There it is. That's You know what? That deserves one of these. Welcome to Panda and Pato's Morning Zoo. Pato. 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 And Panda. Panda. In the morning. Panda and Pato in the morning. 
There you go. That was that was I good. I told my wife that joke, and she said, I'm the weirdest person she ever met. And I reminded her that the people in Manchester City mm-hmm. refer to me as quirky. As quirky, I was going to say. That was uh, that was definitely it. All right, let's get to uh, to the game. Let's talk about El Trafico a little bit. Uh, the oh, fifth... do we have to? Yeah, we do. It was it was entertaining, okay. uh, even from a guy who was exhausted from moving and, and sitting on his parents' couch because, you know, our TV and Internet's not hooked up yet. Uh, so I had to chop over to, to mom and dad's in order to watch the game. Uh, also stole dinner while I was there, so it was a smart move on my part. Um, but we, we were there, and so I got to watch that game. What an entertaining game. And by the way, there hasn't been an El Trafico yet that has not been entertaining. And I think that's the biggest takeaway from, from any of this, is that these games, and I know people are hesitant sometimes to call it like a rivalry because it's so young. Uh, some people say you don't want to call it a rivalry because one team actually, the uh, both teams are actually supposed to win games in order to make it a rivalry as well. I did like that dig a little bit. That was that was a good one. Um, but when you look at this, uh, I don't know if there is a game in Major League Soccer right now, and certainly you'd probably have to look at Seattle-Portland um, in order to get anything close, but I don't know that there is a rivalry game or a bigger game that is anticipated that people want to watch more than this game in Major League Soccer right now. No, and you know what? I'm going to say I don't. I may be speaking too soon because we haven't looked at the police blotter yet, but it looked like the fans were enthusiastic but relatively well-behaved. There are 800 security personnel there, personnel there more than double the normal number. Galaxy supporters took eight buses from Dignity Hill Sports Park and had a police escort at the end. There were three buses that came from LA Live uh, with Galaxy supporters. Um, there were guards everywhere, even outside the bathroom. But the, I don't know that that they were needed that much. It seemed like a pretty good, uh, intense atmosphere, but a, a pretty good atmosphere. And and yeah, it, there's been five uh, of these uh, El Traficos. None decided by more than one goal. Three of them, right, ending in draws. Right. So yeah, yeah, LAFC hasn't won yet, but they've been terrific games. And I mean, even if you're a Galaxy fan, I think you probably, you know, yeah, in your heart of hearts, you probably want to see the team win seven to nothing. But wasn't this game more entertaining than a seven nothing game? I mean, obviously you want the you want the lead to hold up, but you know, and you said there, uh, every game's been exciting. Every ga- Carlos Vela scored in every game, yet Zlatan has more goals. He has eight in the five games. Um, the two, that's another thing I think that you want. You want the games to be played well. You don't want them to be one on own goals or mistakes or whatever, but the biggest players on both teams just sort of make this game into their own personal highlight reel. Both Carlos Vela and Zlatan have really defined the series a lot much more than Carlos. I mean, it's, he had a hat trick last time, a brace this time, a second brace of the five games he scored in four of the five games. It's been pretty phenomenal. Yeah, it's it's always entertaining. Um, it's always, uh, you know, nail-biting. I said at halftime, I'm like, you know, can, can your heart still handle any of this? Because, you know, you look at just the ups and downs of, of, of this game. You know, the Galaxy get out to a an early lead. Listen, I'll tell you right now, and everybody knows this, they listen to the Thursday show, and maybe this is the, the sign of good fortune for the LA Galaxy. Um, I said that, you know, LAFC would win this game. You saw that 538 had LAFC to be 78% winners um, of this game, almost 80% winners of this game, a 12% chance at a draw and an 8% chance at a Galaxy win. And for a long time there, it looked like the 8% chance might just win. But you had um, an unbelievable amount of goals inside of the first 16. There were four goals inside of the first 16 minutes. I don't know what other rivalry produces these moments like this consistently. And and the LA Galaxy getting on the scoreboard first with Slatan Ibrahimovic and Christian Pavone. I mean, it just it had all the makings of uh, a great game. And the fact that it ended three three, you know, one lets the Galaxy wave the flag and say, "Hey, LAFC still hasn't beat us." Two, it extends sort of that mental block that LAFC probably still has. And and three, it makes everybody in Major League Soccer, and I'm sure uh, I'm sure I'm overstating that. I'm sure there's some people who don't care, but it makes everybody in Major League Soccer want to see these two teams play in the playoffs. And we'll talk about that a little bit later, but I mean that's where the, all this is heading. Everybody we can you can feel it. You can maybe maybe it's the writer in us, Kevin, that we want that story. That you want the story of these two teams having played these games and having been on, you know, fairly level terms uh for the majority of these five games. Uh you want them to meet in a playoff game where the intensity will only be ratcheted up even that much more. Well, David Bingham said, I think everybody wants to see us play in the playoffs because if we play LAFC in the playoffs, that's the league final right there. And, and the interesting thing was, okay, yes, it's a draw, but it was actually two different games. When you think about it, LA or Galaxy get off to that big lead, three goals in the first 16 minutes, two from Zalatan, who once again, you know, as I mentioned, just takes these games by the neck and just 
he, he treats these games differently. You could see it on Friday. Uh, those of us who are lucky enough to get to talk to Zalatan at his when he has his weekly session with the media, it, it's almost like a stand-up routine. He's very funny. He's witty. He's engaging. He jokes with us. It, it's really entertaining. It's it's like not to be missed. You rarely get anything out of it that turns into much of a story, but it's just fun to be there. This Friday, he was there was one word answers. There was no none of the braggadocia, none of the um, comparison of Ferraris to Fiats. He was so focused, and it, it uh, I mean, it was he was more serious than I've seen him probably in a long time. And as Larry, Larry Morgan, not on Twitter, said as he walked away, you, you know, he's got his game face on, and you could yeah. see that from the very beginning of that game. So the Galaxy go up uh, three to one. LAFC has only faced a two goal deficit twice this season. Both of those times came against the Galaxy. So the first half, Galaxy dominated. They had the ball sixty three percent of the time. They got outshot. But let on let on the scoreboard three to one going into stoppage time. Latif Blessing gets a, his second goal for LAFC, and that really turned the momentum around. The second half, uh, LAFC outshot the Galaxy thirteen to two. They really dominated. They had the ball for over sixty percent of the time. So my point is, that it, it was a tale of two games, and and both Guillermo and Bob Bradley talked about that afterwards. How the Galaxy controlled, dominated the first half. LAFC had the second half, and so you wind up with a draw. And as as Guillermo said. That's fair. That's probably the way it should have ended. Since each team controlled a half, the game should end even. Yeah, it, it, there's, it's hard to argue it, and you certainly saw it. And and I think you know uh, fatigue on the Galaxy's part. Uh, I think I think a lack of, of really game changing subs for the LA Galaxy also hurts them a little bit more. LAFC with the advantage there, and certainly uh, you know Carlos Vela coming out injured in, in that second half affects that game. I'll tell you, I think the biggest thing that affected this game more than anything else. Uh, was the yellow card to, to Jorgen Shelvick in the 28th minute for a foul on uh, on on Carlos Vela? Um, that, in my mind, and I'm going to have a lot of opinions about the refereeing here coming up, as did Zlatan, uh, but that, in my mind, changed this game more than anything else because at halftime, the Galaxy have to bring Dave Romney in for Jorgen Shelvick. Um, you know, it's a switch that you probably don't want to make in terms of defense. And listen, I don't think, I, 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 Kevin, you you and I were talking a little bit beforehand. You think that, that Jorgen had a really bad night, and I think that he had an okay night. I think he had a, a Jorgen plus night, which is basically Jorgen, but a little bit better. I thought that Vela was MIA in that first half, and certainly it talks to the tale of two halves. Um, but I thought Jorgen did an okay job of shutting down Carlos Vela. You're not going to stop Vela, um, and especially not Jorgen. Jorgen's not going to stop Vela all by himself. I thought Jonathan Dos Santos was excellent in helping Jorgen Shelvick in that first half. Um, you know, outside of a pass to uh, to to Betashore that ended up, I think, in the first LAFC goal, uh, Carlos Vela had a shot that he really should have put away, and and David Bingham saved. Um, but outside of that, the first half, Vela's quiet. Uh, the fact that Vela has to come out early in that second half as well is, uh, you know, really sort of hurts um, LAFC in, in that moment. But really, the Galaxy took advantage from that first whistle, Kevin, of knowing that LAFC wanted to be aggressive, and they used that aggressiveness against them. And that was the domination that you saw with Zlatan and Christian Pavone and Fabio Alvarez. Those three players for the LA Galaxy have been... Well, two of those players have been amped up since Christian Pavone came on, and Fabio Alvarez has turned into, you know, I would say a quote-unquote world beater now um, in terms of distribution and, and his play with the pairing with Christian Pavone. Um, and then Jorgen, uh, and then uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic has been just outstanding since Christian Pavone came on. And so the quality of those three guys together um, tore LAFC defense apart in the first half. And and that's the difference in this game. That was why there was a 3-1 you know, lead um, at one point, and it's 3-2 at halftime. For me, the, the play that the Galaxy were able to, to go about, being direct, uh, the counterattack, and the Galaxy haven't had a great counterattack uh, this year. But they, they're really good against LAFC, and, and in my mind, those those are sort of the things. The tiredness in the second half, the inability to get out on the counter um, in that second half changes that for the Galaxy. Well, a lot to unpack there. Um, on Shelvick, first of all, um, watch the replay of the of the, the first blessing goal. The header, uh, Shelvick definitely out of position or, or lost lost blessing on that one. The one that was the uh, the save from uh, the clearance from Bingham that, that went out to the far post and and Blessing headed it in. His first goal in MLS with his head, by the way. Um, Bingham turned and seemed to be shouting at Shelvick, uh, and I think one of the defenders did as well. They, they were not happy with the way Shelvick handled that play. But on the other hand, you talk about the aggression the Galaxy came with 
uh, came out with at the start of the game. The first goal, it was a, uh, I believe it was the first goal, was a poor pass from Mark Anthony Kay that I think Shelvick picked up, yep. sent it on to Pavone, and then Pavone dribbled deep into the into the LAFC's end and then found Zlatan cutting between two defenders, and he scored. And Eddie Segura, one of the defenders that was beat on that play, said uh, of the Galaxy, they're a team that brings a lot of intensity. We tried to play our game, but the truth is we were surprised by the first goal. That was the one. Uh, you know, I've seen LAFC play uh, several times this season, and uh, one of the things they they do come out aggressive, but they it's a lot like a prize fighter. They sort of try to to feel out their opponent a little bit. I mean, I, I wouldn't say that they're going 90 miles an hour from the opening whistle. And so when the Galaxy came out that way, I, I do think I, I think Segura's right. I think that they were stunned by how aggressive the Galaxy came out. And then you know, Pavone and and Ibra scoring a minute apart. Yeah. Um, that was another dagger, too. It's just LA, LAFC just never caught their breath in that first 16 minutes because the Galaxy were on their front foot. But, you know, the bad thing with that, you mentioned they weren't able to make any any game-affecting uh, or game-changing substitutions. Jonathan Dos Santos was incredible in the first half. He really blocking the passing lanes and doing a lot of good stuff. But he, he exhausted himself. Right before halftime, he was gassed. He got a little bit of a second win because of the halftime break, but then he had to he had to pull himself in the 82nd minute. He signaled to Guillermo that he couldn't go any further, and he came out. Guillermo said afterwards it was a cramp. He doesn't think it's serious. Uh, but uh, And Jonathan was walking around fine after the game. But the fact that Jonathan asked to come out in a tie game with eight minutes to go, um, that that's not normally something that he does. So... I think they, they probably paying a little bit of attention to that. And I, I kind of, in the back of my mind, wonder about his availability for the next game. It's a big game with Seattle, but it is on turf. And if he has any kind of a cramp or leg issue, that might be a game that he stays away from. Yeah, it, it could be. I mean, that was sort of the concern whenever you saw him come off in the 82nd minute there and, and you, you looked at it. I, I thought Sebastian Legette at one time was limping a little bit as well. Um, another guy who's really sort of come on in these last couple of games um, and, and made a made a difference for the LA Galaxy. So, you know, this is this is a tough game. The good news for the Galaxy is that they have a full seven days uh, before they have to travel up to Seattle on Sunday or travel up on Saturday and, uh, and play on Sunday. So, um, you know, it's one of those things that, that you have to watch from this game. Um, I thought that the two goals that LAFC scored outside of Vela's, uh, you know, game tying goal in that, in the, in the second half, uh, the two first half goals from, from blessing in my mind is, a is, were a little unfortunate for the galaxy, just some bad bounces that end up getting through like three or four guys, um, little stuff. I think Jonathan Dos Santos might've even tipped the one that Vela eventually gets to, um, that ended up going around the corner on Romney. So uh, again, I, you have to look at this and say, yes, LAFC made the best of those chances because they had sustained pressure in those areas and that's they forced those mistakes. But those aren't clean goals, um, you know, outside of uh, Vela's uh, game tire in the second half. The Galaxy had, you know, the better of the chances and the better of the goals in terms of how that looked and, and sort of how they finished. So, uh, in my mind, these are all positives for the LA Galaxy. There's no negatives to this. I know certainly people are saying, hey, 3-1 up, you should win that game. I know Zlatan said it. Uh, I think Bingham said it. I think all of them are a little disappointed, and that's probably a good thing to know that the players are disappointed that they weren't able to hold that lead. But Guillermo, as you said, sort of had it in, in the terms of, hey, you know, they knew how good LAFC was going to be, and you know, this is probably a pretty fair result for the LA Galaxy. I'll say this as well. In my mind, there has been... Uh, and, and Kevin, you, you and I talked about this beforehand, but there has been no Western Conference team that has uh, taken a point from LAFC at Bank of California Stadium to this point. Uh, they still have some home games to play, and that could still happen. But that means that the Galaxy picked up a point that nobody else got. So in my mind, the point becomes bigger for that reason is that most teams go into Bank of California Stadium this season and they're coming out with zero points. The Galaxy went in there and came away with a point. That matters in the overall thing. When things are finally equal out and all get all teams have played all games and everybody's run through every team the way that they're supposed to, that one point could be very valuable. And you saw it. It jumped the Galaxy up a position in fourth place in the Western Conference. And that's a, that's a fairly good position for them coming into some games that are definitely winnable for the Galaxy uh, uh, down the stretch. So that was a, that was an important point for me. But, but you know what? The thing that worries me when you look at the standings is the Galaxy's goal differential, minus yeah. three. As tight as these standings are, that goal differential could potentially make a difference. I mean, Seattle is a point in front of them. They have a goal differential of plus two. So the difference there is five. You have San Jose and six. They're uh, plus two. Portland and eight. 
and Portland is going to come on. Portland has seven games left at home, um, and they also ha- have played one fewer game uh, than six of the other teams in the top seven. So Portland is going to be in the playoff race, and they have a plus-two goal differential. So the Galaxy have some games that you would think that they'd be able to score a lot of goals. Colorado is one. You Remember, Colorado and Tim Howard beat them uh, and, and played very well against them at at uh, Dignity Health Sports Park, but they go to Colorado. That's a game where you could see them maybe scoring multiple goals. Then they get Montreal at home. Montreal has a minus 12 goal differential. The point is, I think that the Galaxy need to find a game where they just rack up a whole bunch of goals because they need to erase that negative goal differential. Um, it, it could play a part in where they wind up in the playoff race if they even wind up getting in, and I think they will. But as far as seeding goes, it's going to be really important. Yeah, it very well could be. If you're looking at the projections right now, according to my handy-dandy chart, through 27 games, uh, having scored 38 goals and conceding 41, that's that uh, minus three goal differential you're talking about, uh, the offensive goals projected for a full 34 games are 48 goals scored by the LA Galaxy. So uh, my chart is telling me the Galaxy will score 10 more goals through these last seven games, which isn't a lot. Technically speaking, you know, you think, okay, so one goal per game is seven goals, and so they're going to get three more than that. We'll see if that ends up. And certainly since Christian Pavone has come on, I think you've seen that swing in an upward trajectory. So um, that doesn't mean that's where it's going to end. So 48 goals, and then they're currently projected to give up 52 goals. Um, That would be an improvement over last year where they gave up 64 goals, um, but it is starting to trend to more and more goals, and we've seen that trend um, where they've been giving up more goals and doing that. If you're looking at uh, offensive goals projected or or the total goals that they scored last year, 66 goals. So they would score 48 goals this year, according to my projections, and they scored 66 goals um, last year. So uh, a little bit of adjustments in there and how that goes. Um, I also think it's interesting whenever you look at where they are through 27 games, Kevin, um, they're at 42 points. If you go back to 27 games uh, last year, they had 38 points, so only a difference of four points, but it took the LA Galaxy 31 games to get to 44 points because they had a bad losing streak there down at right about this time uh, last year, so it's something that they can try to avoid this time, and that could really end up being the difference between how much better this team is this year versus that team last year. Um, just just all sort of little interesting stats. And the last one I have as well, uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic now just two goals away from breaking the LA Galaxy, or excuse me, from tying the LA Galaxy single season goal scoring record. Uh, that, that record currently held uh, right now by Carlos Ruiz, who in 2002 scored 24 goals in 26 games played. Um, he played 2,376 minutes during that time, um, and he averaged .92 goals per game, or one goal every 99 minutes for Carlos Ruiz. All right, Zlatan Ibrahimovic right now has 22 goals in 22 games played, 1,980 minutes, uh, and he is averaging one goal per game in 2019, and that means one goal every 90 minutes. Um, well. Yeah. I, I guess I'm the only one that keeps bringing this up, but he has 57% of the Galaxy's goals. He has 22 of their 38 goals. He has nine of the last 11 goals. Only two people, Pavone on Sunday and uh, Fabio Alvarez um, against DC United. Those are the only two Galaxy players not named Zlatan Ibrahimovic to have scored since July 12th. That's about a month and a half or right. at least five weeks. Um it, it, It's working. Okay, it's working. They're winning. They're in the playoff race. But, uh, you know, I still... I'm just thinking, you know, Zlatan takes over games, and certainly against LAFC, I think all of the uh, other 10 outfield players need to get out of the way and just give him room to operate. But it, it just it feels it feels strange to have a team. So, I mean, even the Barcelona teams with Messi don't have all of the scoring, you know, uh, sort of dominated by one player. Yeah, but they also have, you know, at some point they had guys like, you know, Luis Suarez, and they have other, other. I, I'll be honest, the, the Galaxy's options are better now. I think Fabio Alvarez is dangerous. I think that Christian Pavone obviously is dangerous. So I think you're getting more offensive weapons. And, uh, you know, it, it, there's certainly, I know there's some hesitation. I agree with you that when you look at that, you sit there and go, well, all you have to do is really stop one guy. Um, the problem is that everybody sort of had the chance to do that, and very rarely does it actually work. And and throughout his entire ten, major league soccer tenure, Zlatan Ibrahimovic has proven that whenever he sh- comes it comes to play, that he's going to score goals. 
Um, so yeah, it's it's uncomfortable to sort of sit there and say, "Hey, LA Galaxy, you realize you, you know you're hanging your entire season on the fact that Zlatan Ibrahimovic, a thirty you know thirty seven year old, um, almost thirty eight, yeah, almost thirty eight. I know because my wife was also looking up when his birthday was to tell me that he was younger than me, and that was fun. Um, so so yeah, so uh, almost thirty eight. Whenever I think his birthday's in October. Um, so you know that you're hanging all of this on a guy who is of that age. Um, and I sort of say, yeah, but you, you got to ride that. Uh, you know, what it, it's it's like anytime the Galaxy take a shot and it didn't go through Zlatan Ibrahimovic and Zlatan is at least in the vicinity, everybody sort of says, ah, man, you probably could have passed Zlatan there. Um, you know, I thought the Galaxy did well in terms of who was shooting. I think Fabio Alvarez took a shot on one where you're sitting there going, yeah, take that shot. That was the right shot. And Zlatan was clapping. I mean, these have been really positive performances since Christian Pavone came on. And Zlatan has now, you know, thanked him and, and basically in every press conference has said, you know, he's just a player of a different skill level and he's a game changer for us. That's, that's his basic um, sort of thing. So I think that the Galaxy have gotten better. And if that means that they get better and can find Ibrahimovic more, that's probably okay too. But you're right, it is hanging a lot on, on one player. But yeah, and Zlatan's talked recently about how he loves Pavone, and I think he feels like, we all know Zlatan's talked about the talent deficit between uh, what he's used to and, and what he finds in MLS, and um, you know he, he hasn't uh, been shy about sharing his opinion about that. And so you kind of look and, he, and you get the feeling that he looks at the rest of the team and said, none of these guys can play with me. Now he he doesn't say that ever about Pavone. And, you know, like the first goal yesterday when Zlatan made the move knowing that Pavone was going to put the pass right where it needed to be, it, it's almost like what we saw the end days with Robbie Keane and, and Landon Donovan. They didn't need to talk or even point uh, on the field. They didn't even need to communicate at all. That Each one knew where the other one was going to go and how the other one was going to react. And I, I think Zlatan has that chemistry already with Pavone, right. and it's only going to get better. And and it, the other thing that he has is he has a tremendous respect for Pavone, and I think that makes a big difference. I was interested, though, you said the lovely and talented Michaela is already giving you the age thing with Zlatan. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I get that because, see, I'm actually older than Barack Obama. Oh. And now, and so, so Mrs. Panda gives me a hard time about that, but it, I got the obvious comeback. I mean, yeah, two term president, big deal. How many MLS cups has he covered? Exactly. I, I got three, okay? <laughs> Come on, Barack. Yeah, I mean, you know, my my whole argument is that, you know, I used to cover David Beckham. That's really my claim to fame. Uh, you know, oh, yeah, David Beckham? Yeah, I covered him. I, 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 a, a whole bunch. I know that guy. Um, yeah, how's that hopey, changey thing about MLS Cup <laughs> working out for you? Exactly, exactly. That's that's how it is. Um, all right, yeah. I, I, I've told my wife as well that anytime I talk to Zlatan Ibrahimovic, there's never any doubt in my mind that he is technically, even though while, while the number may not be there, that he is older, wiser, and has way more accomplished than anything I've ever done. So, so uh, I'm, I'm well aware of where I sit in that pecking order whenever you're talking to, uh, to Zlatan. Um, but, you know, Zlatan did have, again, and, and this is, <laughs> I, think, I think we can say jokingly, or maybe not jokingly, that, you know, this is a trend for Zlatan. Uh, it's a trend for the LA Galaxy. Zlatan had a lot of uh, uh, not-so-nice things to say about the referee. Now, I'll say— well, wait a minute. Yeah. Before you get to that, oh, what else just remember, uh -huh. when you're talking about uh, Zlatan with Michaela— uh -huh. Your house is newer than his. <laughs> okay, yeah. so just reminder of that. There we go. That'll be my, that'll be my next thing. Okay, uh, but anyway, Zlatan and the referees. It, it's become a thing for him, and 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 maybe it hasn't become a thing. Maybe it was always a thing. Uh, but Zlatan talking about the quality of, of Major League Soccer and the officials. I wouldn't be surprised, by the way, if he gets fined for his comments after this. Um, and I don't think that matters. Uh, I don't think anybody really cares about it. Um, but the the big deal here is that. Uh, Zlatan brings up something about a referee that he had already had an issue with. And you go back to the Portland game, and Alan Chapman was the referee in the Portland game. Um, it was a game in which, you know, Portland got 12 fouls to the Galaxy's five. Um, there were five yellows to four in that one. The Galaxy had five yellow cards. Uh, if you go back and you look at this one, it was 14 fouls to three. Again, the imbalance was probably already very clear to anybody. In fact, we mentioned it on Thursday saying, if you expect the Galaxy to get any calls in this game, it's not going to happen. One, LAFC is one of the most fouled teams in Major League Soccer, which means the referees call as may, call the most fouls for uh, LAFC. So that trend was going to continue for them at home. And the fact is the LA Galaxy are the least fouled team in Major League Soccer, and so that trend was certainly going to continue um, in this. But the whole issue here really is it revolves around Alan Chapman to me, um, and it's a guy that Zlatan Ibrahimovic criticized heavily after the Portland game. Um, then he goes in and he... 
uh, he goes to the All-Star game, and he has a discussion specifically about Alan Chapman and the Portland game with, uh, you know, Howard Webb, who's, I, I think we call him, what, what the director of uh, pro, uh, the referees for Major League Soccer. Um, so, you know, specifically has that. We saw it on video. Everybody saw it. And Zlatan is very, you know, sort of tight. And Howard Webb took the time to talk about it with him. And it's specifically about Alan Chapman. It's specifically about that Portland game. Um, so why in God's green earth does Pro make Alan Chapman the center referee for this game? In my mind, it opens up way too many cans of worms, which certainly will be open now that Zlatan talked about it and now that the LA Galaxy's PR department is tweeting about it um, and sort of showing all those different things. So in my mind, this opens a can of worms that should have never been opened by simply, you know, putting a different any other referee in Major League Soccer could have gone uh, you know, and, and done this game, but you put it there and you, now you make it a thing. And the fact is the LA Galaxy had five yellow cards to zero yellow cards for LAFC. The fact is that a early yellow card on Shelvick's second foul, um, you know, really changed the game for the LA Galaxy. I'll tell you right now. Shelvick had all three fouls in this game, by the way, and he almost got red carded in this game with a second yellow. He had three fouls and he almost got yellow carded in this game. The, the only other player who had three fouls for the LA Galaxy... Kevin, can you guess the only other player who had three fouls for the LA Galaxy in terms of fouls committed, not fouls suffered? Does he make $7.2 million a year? He does. My wife would tell you that. Zlatan Ibrahimovic was also whistled for three fouls in this game. Outside of that, there is not a Galaxy player who has more than two fouls. And the 14 fouls total, if you take three and three, which is six, right? So what, you have eight fouls? There's only eight other wait, fouls. Wait, let, me, let me check. Yeah. Three, one, <laughs> two, three. Yes. yes, you're right. Yes. Good. Okay, good. Okay. I got that one right. Um, Use my fingers. Yeah, so, so you had to take your shoes off. I know. It <laughs> takes a little time. Get the socks off. Spread the digits out. Count them all. Um so, so when you look at this, it, there really isn't a persistent infringement argument in, in any of this stuff as well. But the bottom line is that Zlatan Ibrahimovic, guess how many fouls Zlatan suffered in this game, Kevin? Brendan Hannon knows all these all these he, stats. He does, but I actually looked it up too, just because I don't, I, you know, I don't always just trust what they say. I wanted to look it up. But Zlatan Ibrahimovic suffered zero fouls in this game as a target striker who had people on his back multiple times. He got zero fouls called in his favor. Now, again, this doesn't mean anything. I'm not saying that Alan Chapman has a vendetta against Latan Ibrahimovic, but the question gets asked now because you make Alan Chapman the center referee for this game. And Zlatan talks specifically after this game about how Alan Chapman is talking to the players. And I saw this without Zlatan bringing it up. But Alan Chapman's a very confrontational referee. When he puts out a yellow card, Kevin, he wants to yell at you for a little while while he's giving you the yellow card. It's not just a yellow card and play on and go away and that type of thing. He yelled at Fabio Alvarez. He yelled at Rolf Felcher. He yelled at Jorgen Shelvik. He yelled at Zlatan Ibrahimovic. And by the way, if you yell at Zlatan, Zlatan's going to yell back. Um, so Zlatan gets a yellow card in this for for um, dissent. Dissent. Yeah, yeah. Big surprise. No, wow. Well, who's who's surprised? So anyway, there's a lot of arguments in this that Alan Chapman was the absolute most wrong referee to put in charge of any of this stuff, and yet MLS and Pro still does it. I'm not saying that the Galaxy should get to pick referees, but you probably don't want to have a guy who had a confrontation with these one of the star players in Major League Soccer in one of the biggest rivalry games where you know it's going to be. You don't want to put that referee into that situation knowing that it was going to do this, and that's exactly what it did. Well, what happened after the la what happened right after the Portland game? Uh, the, the All-Star game. And what happened at the All-Star game? Uh, let's see. Zlatan yelled at Howard Webb. We remember that. And who's in charge of the, the, the officiating? Yeah, it's Howard Webb. I'm not sure he actually— Wait, So, so yeah. what, I, what, I, what I'm suggesting, and I don't know, what I'm suggesting is, is perhaps one of two things. Again, I don't know. I'm just spitballing here. One of two things. One is— a pro did not want to give the, the Galaxy any inclination or any suggestion that they were going to be able to affect the officiating. That that if the Galaxy made it known that they did not like the, the officiate, officiating the Portland game, they did not like the official, pro did not want the Galaxy to think that, that therefore that official would never do one of their games. So that was off table. And the other thing is that's that's sort of the 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 benign interpretation maybe the the more notorious interpretation is that howard webb said fine you don't like chapman you're going to come and and embarrass me on video in front of all these people at the all-star game guess who's going to referee your big game oh, yeah. in the in in el trafico guess who you're going to get this time so i'm suggesting that perhaps it didn't ha it, 
happen by accident that perhaps they didn't put the names in a hat and draw them out. I don't know that, but I mean, that would be too, that seems to me to be a couple of plausible explanations. It, it's just, it, again, it invites those questions when you do it this way, and it wouldn't have invited those questions if you did it a different way. Um, and so that's, uh, it's just one of those sort of undercurrents of this game. And again, that's important to sort of focus on Kevin, because what are the chances of the galaxy in their next seven games or in a playoff game, get Alan Chapman again. Um, and if that happens, you have questions again about what's going to happen. And so it's just, it's an interesting little tidbit. And Zlatan was saying, you know, he needed to go that Alan Chapman needed to go back to uh, to basics, and basically he said stupid things to him. I, this is a paraphrase, but he says, uh, Zlatan said that Alan Chapman said something stupid to him in the Portland game, and he said something stupid to him tonight, uh, and that's and then both times Zlatan gets a yellow card for something stupid the referee said. Again, I expect Zlatan to get fined for this. Yeah, well, he's making $7.2 million, as you pointed out a couple of times, but um, the, the interesting thing is, is this seems to be, I think you're right, I mean, I think Pro should uh, should act aggressively to to make sure that Chapman doesn't do any games while Zalatan's there, at least for now, because it sets up a scenario where if there's a really close foul and Chapman doesn't call it on Zalatan, then all of a sudden that's interpreted as, aha, this is payback, This is it's a makeup call, you're going to let him slide. And if there's a really close foul that could go either way and Zalatan gets a card or gets the foul called, then all of a sudden it's, aha, you're, you, you're out to get him. There, at this point, there's no way that Chapman can win and there's no way that Zalatan can be treated fairly. And, I, and by that, I don't mean that he would be treated, that Chapman is out to get him. I just mean any 50-50 call that goes against Zalatan is going to be looked at as payback. And any 50-50 call that goes in his favor is going to look like, oh, the referee's giving him a break. And then the other team's on him. So uh, it, it just you're right. that th I think your bottom line is you're right that this sets up more questions than answers, and it's just not the way that you want an important game to be officiated. No, it's not. And, and I also think that if you're going to come into an El Trafico like that, you have to understand that's going to be a physical game, right? Uh, you can't be, you know, the the soft fouls, and God, there were a ton of soft fouls in this. There were also some hard fouls that were clear indications that, you know, hey, maybe a yellow card should be shown for some of these. I mean, Servando Carrasco came onto the field and got a yellow card immediately. Is it a yellow card foul? That I mean, and, and even even Stu Holden on the on the Fox call was sort of questioning. He's like, I don't know that that's a yellow card, but again, it's there and it, and it affects things. I and I think everybody's going to tell you that the biggest influence of this game was Carlos Vela, <clears throat> excuse me, Carlos Vela coming off the field um, and that angry tirade that sort of took place, him throwing down the armband and the whole Bob Bradley thing is certainly an undercurrent of this and it was one of the flashier points of the game. So it's easy to say that that's the biggest thing that happened in this game and because of that, maybe it influenced the outcome of the game. But for me, the biggest thing that happened in this game was the yellow card to Jorgen Shelvick because the Galaxy aren't making a halftime sub uh, for Shelvick if uh, he doesn't have that yellow card. And again, with the suspension to Daniel Stairs, there's there's not a lot of options there, and bringing Romney in is the option. But I mean, you know, Jorgen Shelvick got got a got had three fouls called on him in the first half, um, not in the, in the extreme amount um, by any means. But the bottom line is that second that third foul that he got called on because it was a second that he picked up the yellow card in that third foul that he got called on was. What people were already saying that could be, uh, you know, the way Alan Chapman is officiating this game, that could be a second yellow and he's gone. Um, so it forced the LA Galaxy to change that and put Dave Romney in. Um, and that changes things when really the Galaxy had a lot going for them in the first half with the formation and the personnel they had on the field. I like Dave Romney. I'm not going to say you hurt the team at all. <laughs> I think it's, it might have even been an improvement in some ways. Hey, there's certainly an argument to say that. I'm just saying that if you change that, well, even with Shelvick playing on a yellow card, that changes things. I mean, yeah. people don't, I, again, I, I don't think people realize the importance yellow cards play on it, and especially in a key position, right? Because Shelvick is basically man, uh, lined up man for man with Carlos Vela, uh, who is probably the runaway favorite for, for MVP of, of Major League Soccer this year. Um, and so because of that, that's the best matchup to watch on the field. And so you were watching it and that yellow card comes early in that first half, um, 28th minute. Uh, so it comes in the 28th minute. The fact that Shelvick then had to play the remainder of that first half on a yellow card and not pick up another yellow card while guarding Carlos Vela 
influences the game a lot. Well, and you know who else knows that he's on a, on two yellow cards is is our you know could get a second yellow card and be suspended or ejected. LAFC knows that, yeah. and they have, as you said, they have Carlos Vela coming at him, and rightly or wrongly, what is Carlos Vela known for? People seem to think he has a reputation for diving. What if he dives at the right point and and is able to? To um, uh, to influence the officials to give a, another yellow card, you know, maybe one that's not deserved, sort of bait them into that. Yeah, um, it, we know that LAFC on a, I think they they lead the league in having uh, opponents ejected on red cards this season, and a lot of those have been double yellow. So. Uh, LAFC knows how to do that, or rightly or wrongly, it's, it's happened. I, I shouldn't say that they're doing that on purpose. Right. It's happened, and I'm, I'm sure that Guillermo knows that, and, and Guillermo's looking at that and saying he's guarding the guy that gets a lot of these players ejected on double yellows. Yep. So we better get him out of there. Yep. No, it was. It, it's a smart move to do it at halftime. I think people are questioning a little bit the Joe Corona move for Antuna. Um, I, I still, in my mind. Um, am am a big Chris Pontius fan, and in terms of what he's able to do and how he affects the play, and I wonder if going for you know Antuna and putting in Chris Pontius, the the big thing the Galaxy missed in that second half was sort of the relief valve. Whenever LAFC was able to sort of cut off the lanes to Zlatan Ibrahimovic and to Christian Pavone, and because they were able to do that, there was a lot of um, you know bad passing, and there was as Zlatan said, you know, it made it harder on the LA Galaxy, they should have done the simple things better, and they instead they did simple things poorly, and they ended up defending the whole time, well, that type of thing. I saw that Corona move as as an uh, attempt to help Jonathan Dos Santos, who was gassed by that time. Right. I don't know if he was feeling the cramping at that time, but I, I thought Corona was kind of coming in to support Jonathan more than... At that point, it seemed as if that perhaps they were not conceding the game, but decided that they were going to get a little more conservative and not lose the game. And if they had a chance to win it, then they would go for it. But that I saw that as a defensive move more than anything to try to spark any offensive well, uh, movement forward. Well, in my mind, the LA Galaxy uh, played a, a fairly good um, game plan, what they were trying to do. The fact they weren't able to hold on for the win is disappointing. But again, that one point rings really loud to me in the Western Conference um, and, and sort of how the Western Conference continues to beat the crap out of each other. Uh, and that seems to be a trend um, and so as you go down this and you look at the next game against Seattle which is quote unquote six point game another Western Conference opponent um, and how you can play them and you know Seattle sitting you know just one point in front of the LA Galaxy a win in Seattle really jumps up the LA Galaxy in terms of what they can do because they're able to leapfrog a, an opponent um, and and that helps in that that playoff race so you're going to watch all of these um, as we look at it the, the standings have uh, LAFC who is in that number one position and seems to have the supporter shield basically wrapped up as it goes down. Um, they'd have to really fall off a ledge. Maybe an injury to Carlos Vela, uh, a longer-term injury could possibly be something there, uh, but it doesn't seem like that maybe is uh, is the case right now. Um, so LAFC looks like they're going to be pretty handily uh, win that supporter shield. Then you have Real Salt Lake, who jumped up into second place. You have the Seattle Sounders in third, the LA Galaxy in fourth. So second, third, and fourth all have the home game right now in the playoffs. Uh, if they ended right now, and then Minnesota United is in fifth, the San Jose Earthquakes in sixth, and FC Dallas in seventh. The Portland Timbers sitting in eighth, as, as Kevin, you were rightfully saying. I think anybody below eighth right now, Sporting Kansas City, Houston Dynamo, Colorado Rapids, and Vancouver Whitecaps um, are have already proven themselves not to be within this race right now. Uh, we'll see if that stays that way, if Sporting Kansas City maybe could mount something, but I don't see anything from those four bottom teams. Well, I, I think Portland is probably the one that's going to – I see Dallas as being the one on the outs. I think Portland with seven home games left, um, they're, they're going to pass them and get into the playoffs. But when you look at the Galaxy, you know, they've won one of their last six games, Yeah. Um, which is not the kind of uh, streak you want to be on at this point in the season. Yet, even with that, even with that bad streak, if they win on uh, Sunday in Seattle, they can, they can be in second place. If they tie Seattle – uh, and regardless of what Real Salt Lake does, they would be in third place uh, based on the total wins tiebreaker. But once they get past Seattle, and again, that game's going to be an artificial turf, and we don't know about Jonathan Dos Santos' availability for that, or even Zalatan for that, man. I'm sure he'll play, but uh, how much or how effectively, we don't know. But once they get done with Seattle, their last six games are against teams. Only Real Salt Lake of those six uh, uh, of those games is a team that's in the playoff race right now. Uh, in the Western Conference. Montreal's in, in eighth in the Eastern Conference, but that doesn't really affect what the Galaxy does in their conference. So they play Colorado. That game is going to be at altitude. That's going to be a little bit difficult. Then they got Sporting Kansas City, Montreal at home. They go to Real Salt Lake, another game at altitude. 
Vancouver at home, and then they finish the season at Houston, which is kind of poetic when you remember how last season ended. This time they go to Houston. Um, remember Houston knocked them out of the playoffs last year at home. Um, all those games are winnable. The, the, the Galaxy could easily win four to five of those last six games. They could they could possibly run the table. Real Salt Lake is going to be tough there. But um, that's where they could really build the momentum, not only to climb the table, because, again, they're playing teams in their conference or to remain atop the table, closer to the top. Um, but it, it's a great place to build momentum going into the playoffs and to get that home spot so that they open the playoffs with a home game. Yeah, it is. Um, looking at the home games, so they have three home games left, four, four away games. So looking at the three home games, again, you, you talked about Sporting Kansas City, Montreal, and Vancouver. I don't see any stumbling blocks. That's, those should be nine points when you look at it. So that puts the Galaxy at 51 points um, with those three games gone. And then, you know, the tough games, you you spelled them out. Away to Colorado is a tough game. Away to RSL is a tough game. Uh, the game up in Seattle is, is a tough game. I, I hate it when teams do this to me. They Jekyll and Hyde me, and whenever I see them you know, play and I really watch them play against the LA Galaxy, I, I said Seattle's not a playoff team. Uh, they're not going to make the playoffs. They're going to fall out of this. I've been watching them, and they're just it's not there um, this year. And then they go up and they smack Portland in Portland um, in that rivalry game, and that was unexpected. Uh, and I heard Merritt Paulson was a little upset, apparently, after that about uh, some of the, the quietness from the supporters groups. That was all whole interesting. Go, go on Reddit and dive into that. That's a whole interesting sort of take on uh, on some of the protests that went on in Portland. Timbers Army and, and Seattle um, fans also joining in on that. It was just really interesting um, sort of stuff, but but dive into that. But anyway, so Seattle goes and does that um, and now sits you know in front of the LA Galaxy. Now the Galaxy have to go up to Seattle. So Seattle's coming off of a, you know, a big emotional win at Portland, and they're coming home. Um, um, to Seattle, where they have a eight two and three record, um, so they're they're that's a comfortable game probably for them when they're facing the LA Galaxy. But the LA Galaxy are a better team than Seattle, um, I believe that. And so you know you could see another draw. A team that doesn't get any draws, Kevin, is suddenly going to get a whole bunch of draws. I mean, they have two draws in a row now. Uh, technically, if you wanted to say they're unbeaten in three. Um, as, as that goes, so you're looking at a, a team that is a little bit on the momentum side. It feels like the Galaxy are building on that momentum and, and really playing on that. And I didn't see anything in Seattle that really would tell me that they were the better team than the LA Galaxy whenever they were in LA, but are they the better team whenever they face it against Seattle? So I think that's... That's really interesting how this Western Conference, again, I think everybody's going to beat up on each other. I'm not convinced that there is a uh, there is a standout here. And I think if you just win some games, uh, that you're going to be in the playoffs for the LA Galaxy. Uh, one of the things you wanted to talk about, Kevin, though, was the, was the seeding as well and, and where the LA Galaxy currently stand and, and sort of how that would play in and where the possible matchup uh, could be with that. Yeah, if the if the if the season ended right now with where the teams are positioned, and by the way, when you talk about teams beating each other up, um, you're right. The Galaxy have won one of six, but they they've gotten points in three games in a row. That's really important uh, because you know going a week without a point, you you just can't do that at this time of year. But as far as teams beating each other up, all the teams that the Galaxy play, with the exception of Real Salt Lake, are behind them. Yeah. So um, all this beating up, you know, Seattle versus Portland or Portland versus um, um, uh, Real Salt Lake or whatever, that doesn't involve the Galaxy. The Galaxy are not going to be playing those teams, so they're going to have to if they want to climb the table. They're going to have to rely on some help. But if they want to stay where they are, uh, they're playing some teams that give them the opportunity to do that. But talking about the the playoff standings, if the, the season ended right now with the way the teams are positioned, the Galaxy would have a first-round playoff game. They would play Minnesota United the way it sits right now. They would play that game at home. And then the winner of that game, presumably the Galaxy, would go on to play LAFC at Bank of California. That would be uh, LAFC's first playoff game because they would have the first-round bye. Uh, it would come after LAFC would have at least a two-week, about a two-and-a-half-week uh, lull. After the, remember, when the season ends, decision day is followed by an international break, so nobody plays anything. The playoffs open two weeks after decision day, I believe, is the way it's, it works. And then there'll be, a, I think, the first game for LAFC would be a midweek game. So they'd have about, I don't know, 15, 16 days, more than that. They'd have about 16, 17 days before they play their first playoff game for a team that's used to playing every week. Mm-hmm. At that time of year, that is a huge long break. And now some guys may go off and play for the national team, but not enough to make a difference. That is a you think, oh well, they're going to rest and get uh, recuperated and healed. Yeah, but to go two weeks without a you know, more than two weeks without a game, that's huge. The Galaxy would have a game. They'd be coming into that playoff game with a running start. They'd be playing back at Bank of California, where they've never lost against the team they've never lost to, 
with a ton of momentum and Zlatan. Um, and as uh, um, Dan Kennedy, the former Galaxy goalkeeper who now does TV work, said, no team wants to play Zlatan Ibrahimovic in a one-and-done game, an, an elimination game. It just it doesn't matter who they are. They do not want to put that game in the hands of Zlatan because he does things that no one else can can do and that you can't defend against. So he's kind of like the, the crane kick, you know, no can defend. <laughs> Apparently. Um, no, it was interesting. Zlatan got asked about it after the game. He said, you know, they, somebody asked, you know, do you want to see this team in the playoffs? Um, and he was talking about LAFC, and he says, yes, and I want to play here. Uh, as in Bank of California Stadium. Not only does Zlatan want LAFC in the playoffs, uh, not only, by the way, does every MLS fan want LA Galaxy versus LAFC in the playoffs. We've already established that. Uh, however, incorrectly, I've, I've generalized the entire MLS fandom. Um, but not only, but Zlatan wants to be the away team. He wants to go to Bank of California Stadium, and he wants to beat them there. Um, so, it, it again... MLS is salivating at the possibility that that happens. Uh, the fact it'll be a midweek game probably won't matter this time around. Uh, in fact, it'll have zero indication on, one, the TV viewing audience. In fact, the TV viewing audience should be uh, monumental uh, whenever you, you look at that, except for probably the start time, which would be like a 7.30 you know, West Coast start time, which would be a 10.30 Eastern on a midweek. So that's not great. But, you know, again, we'll see where that sort of lands. And then you would have uh, LAFC and LA Galaxy uh, going at it in a playoff game in a, you know, in a conference semifinal, uh, which is only one game. So winner takes all in that game. It's 90 minutes plus extra time plus shootout. Um, that's it. So the playoffs very condensed in this side that it really does seem likely. Now, if the Galaxy were to raise their their positioning, Kevin, and maybe be in the third seed or even the second seed, it changes sort of that matchup, and and maybe those two teams then could meet uh, in the conference finals. But uh, currently, it goes uh, four five play each other, three six play each other, and two seven play each other. Um, in that first round of the playoffs, and then it would go uh, you, you know, one versus the four five winner, uh, the 3-6 winner versus the two seven winner, and, and so on, and so it carries on that way. So interesting stuff. That's definitely a game that, that the Galaxy can win, and I'm not saying they couldn't win another game, but that one, I mean, yes, LAFC, the best team in the league, they got uh, all the wins and all the points and all the records and everything else, but... I like the Galaxy in that game better than if they played even Seattle. And right. I know you've talked a little bit about how you're not impressed with Seattle or, or even Minnesota. That game right. uh, that game in Minnesota was a pretty tough game. It, it was the Galaxy's first draw of the year. So, you know, if you're, if you're the Galaxy, I think you probably feel more confident against LAFC than you do against a lot of those other teams. I, I think the Galaxy welcomed that challenge. I think that's the, the biggest thing. And again, for whatever reason, whatever mental block exists, and people can argue that the mental block doesn't, it exists. You can see it uh, for LAFC. But, you know, that wasn't cleared by getting a draw. Um, and it probably wasn't even cleared by getting a win, by the way. I'm not one that thinks that if the Galaxy uh, would have lost the game to LAFC, that that mental block suddenly goes away. The playoffs are a different animal, and it's going to be, you know, a ratcheted up high pressure situation. And I want to see there, see it. I want to be there. Um, so if that indeed happens, you know, still some games to be played and, and certainly some some decisions still have to be uh, made in terms of uh, if the Galaxy even get to the playoffs. It's still borderline. Um, 40 points right now for FC Dallas in the seventh position. The LA Galaxy have 42 points. The difference between uh, second place and seventh place is three points. That's it. Um, and you got that goal differential. And you have the goal differential, which very well could matter. Now, if the Galaxy start winning games, I have to imagine that that goal differential slowly starts to creep back up. And with the seven games remaining and the Galaxy looking like they have a pretty favorable schedule um, as it goes down, I, I, in my mind, you're saying, okay, that goal differential comes up. And there aren't any world beaters in that goal differential um, outside of Minnesota, who has seven. FC Dallas has a plus seven. Um, but outside of that, you know, plus two for Seattle, plus six for Real Salt Lake. So, yeah, maybe the Galaxy will fall down because of tiebreakers. Um, but that goal differential should rise here if the Galaxy are winning games. If not, it will, one, the Galaxy will drop down the playoffs, uh, and you'll also see that uh, that their goal differential will probably grow. So um, well, that's usually you know, how The other thing is I keep forgetting that the first tiebreaker is actually total wins. Total so the wins. Galaxy have, are second in the tied for second with Real Salt Lake, the only two teams with 13 wins. So they're actually a little bit, I'm a little bit ahead in the tiebreaker, but the second tiebreaker is goal differential. So anything they can do to make themselves stand out from a tiebreaker perspective is going to help now and the other thing that i would say thinking about the playoffs and especially if lafc and the galaxy meet 
Um, you know, the goal, Guillermo's talked all season. Number one goal this season is make the playoffs. He's never talked about winning an MLS Cup. He's never talked about winning Supporter Shield. He's never talked about home field advantage. He said, make the playoffs. And he's right. They, Galaxy missed the playoffs the last two seasons. Baby steps. They need to make the playoffs. You're looking at LAFC. They've talked about winning Supporter Shield, setting records. And they remember, and they talked to a man, they talk about, just getting to the playoffs is not enough. We remember how it ended last year. They were eliminated on an own goal off of Walker Zimmerman's face. They remember how that ended. The point I'm making is the Galaxy get in, and they're playing with house money. And uh, when you have a wild card like Zlatan, um, who can go crazy, and if he plays with, you know, if he just uh, caution to the wind and just runs out there and plays, he's going to be extremely dangerous. You look at LAFC and they're thinking, oh my God, we just had the best season in league history. It means nothing if we don't win in the playoffs. That's a really kind of tough mental attitude to take into the postseason. So if, if all those things line up like that, I, you know, I think the Galaxy become a rather substantial favorite just because of all these exterior things that uh, that are going to figure into that. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you at all. It reminds me of uh, the LA Galaxy in 2010. Um, you know, a team that was best in MLS regular season uh, gets knocked out of the playoffs by FC Dallas. You know, that also led, by the way, to the 2011 season where the LA Galaxy were the best in Major League Soccer through the regular season and ended up hoisting an MLS Cup. Um, there's there's a bunch of different motivations, and uh, I think you know the hammer always talks about on Thursday. Don't peak too soon. The Galaxy are showing signs of peaking at the right time with Pavone added, and and that Pavone addition may end up just looming so large. In fact, in my mind, it already looms looms so large. Uh, the LA Galaxy are a much better team, much more dangerous with Christian Pavone. If and again, it's still a big if. Haven't seen any indications that it's imminent. Um, but Kevin, if Roman Alessandrini can make it back here in these last seven games and, and get any sort of run. The LA Galaxy with Christian Pavone on one side and Roman Alessandrini on the other side and Zlatan Ibrahimovic up top and with Antuna being able to come off the bench. Um, all of a sudden, things get real good for the LA Galaxy in terms of if, if they can make all that work. There's no guarantee, but that's that makes, I'm sure, Galaxy fans salivate just a little bit to try to get those uh, to get Roman Alessandrini back on the field. Yeah, you t- you talking about the midfield, and I mean that would be a guy who could have been a game-changing substitution off the bench if they decided not to go with Corona or even Servando Carrasco. If you had uh, Roman Alessandrini available to add in as a late-game substitution, remember he had one he had one of those big uh, goals in the in the game when uh, the Galaxy came back from the 2-0 deficit in the final 10 minutes last year. Yeah, he did. Um, he's 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 one of the uh, the guys they're looking at in terms of you know whether or not he can make it back and how that happens. So um, we'll see. We, we should start to hear something. There should be some rumbles. I know G- uh, Guillermo was uh, a little optimistic on, on the return timeline that he thought of um, about Allison Drini. We haven't seen it, but Roman Allison Drini has been posting a lot on uh, social media. Uh, so it's getting well, getting closer I, I and closer. I did see him yesterday coming out of the locker room. He did not train with the first team, but he was definitely there for a long time. I mean, you know, some of these guys when they re have they're gone long before the players come off the field i was walking off the field with jonathan dos santos and we walked down by the locker room and roman was was coming out of the locker room and heading home so the point is he was there he was uh you know physically there he was training he was training a long time because it was the afternoon before he was leaving so that all seems to indicate to me that he's getting closer yeah it it feels that way uh la galaxy getting ready to take on the seattle sounders coming up on sunday september 1st First, a 3.30 p.m. Pacific time kickoff that game on Fox Sports 1, FS1. Uh, So it should be interesting to see where the LA Galaxy sit. And again, that game and that game time means that the majority of the games throughout the Western Conference and throughout Major League Soccer probably will have been played by then. So understanding where the LA Galaxy are and what happens if they win should be pretty well known by uh, kickoff there at 3.30 on Sunday. Um, let's see. Anything, anything else that we're sort of missing, Kevin? Is there any other big takeaways from El Trafico that you that you wanted to make? Yeah, well, you weren't there. That was a big one. That was. Um, I, I promise. I don't. Well, I promise. I have a pregnant wife. God only knows wh- whether or not I will be at any other any more games. But I'm planning yeah. on going to the last three home games. You keep talking about the pregnant wife. I want to find out who did that. Yeah, it was me. I'm pretty sure. Well, like okay. 90, 95 percent sure. So your cable was not hooked up. You know, you have that deal. I forget. I think it's Directv. Well, they they'll, they'll hook that up for you. You should have that done. Yeah, I will, I'll I'll be working on that tonight. I'm sure after I'm done uh, recording here, I will uh, I will be shuffled in. To action we were just we were on vacation which was not exactly planned the best time but we needed to do it because my wife couldn't travel uh, too much longer after that 
Uh, still looking at December, uh, middle of December for the due date. So we still, again, an off-season baby. Everything should be fine. Should be able to get through the playoffs. MLS. Uh, there's Cup. draft. There's draft. There's the draft. Well, you know what? I'll, I'll Larry Morgan not on Twitter might have to cover the draft for me. Ooh, the the big draft that has so much of an impact. But uh, all those things. But I'm I'm planning on being at the last three home games. I know uh, the Portuguese hammer also has some stuff up his sleeve for those last three home games. I know that you, Kevin, will probably make most of those home games. Um, Most, not all, be, let me see, I'm looking at it right now, it will be at Kansas City, I may not be at Montreal, mm-hmm. and I will definitely not be at Vancouver, wow. Oh, wow, you, you, I, I, one, one of three for sure, I'm betting 333, could get up to 666 with yeah, a little luck. We'll, we'll see how that goes, but again, the Galaxy look like they have a, a schedule, I have my schedule pretty much set now, I'm not supposed to go anywhere, you have your schedule, we should be set here for, for the rest of the season, as again, just seven games remaining, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, I just want to make sure I wasn't crazy, seven games remaining, six of those games, by by the way, get played right now in September. So starting September 1st, it goes September 1st, September 11th, September 15th, September 25th, or 21st, 25th, and 29th for the LA Galaxy. And you know what? You mentioned six games in September. Could have been seven. The Crusoe's a little loss. <laughs> I'm still going to say that looms really large. And everyone says, well, they use different players. And uh, it, it doesn't really affect the, the team. You know, the coaching staff has to spend some time game planning for that game. They have to take their, uh, you know, move away from MLS at least for a day and a half. That would have been a trip to Las Vegas. Uh, It would have confused the training for the first team guys who were thing that they don't have to go to Las Vegas and play that game. It would have been seven games in September. It would have been right in the middle of a week when they already have three games. It's really good they lost to Crucisol. Yeah, and it always was. By the way, if you get to a final, um and and you're there and and that particular final and you have to play you know against uh Tigres or, or yeah it would, would have been Tigres in the final uh I'm 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 sort of sitting there saying okay uh where are we at if you're Guillermo you're saying where are we at in the playoffs and you know because I'm thinking about starting Zlatan Ibrahimovic and I'm thinking about starting these guys because now you're in a final now it's yeah, all you want to win a cup yeah you, you have a chance to win a cup against you know against Mexican town he's like okay we got here this far with the let's let's go ahead and let's mix in some guys who maybe will be on the bench so Zlatan well, Ibrahimovic Christian Pavon could have been on the bench for that game and you know you don't want them to play really you I know you were frolicking around the east coast at the time and weren't there for that but Guillermo said some interesting things after that game where he talked about you know, MLS announced that tournament in late May and then announced the Galaxy would be in it right around the same time. Guillermo said they went into the season knowing, okay, we have the MLS season. Here's our schedule. We have U.S. Open Cup. Here's how that fits in. And Guillermo said in February they set their team up that way. When they went out, and I'm not saying every move was predicated by that, but as they're building their team, they're deciding, okay, where do we need coverage? Where do we need backup? Where can we build some depth in that schedule? Guillermo was playing for two tournaments. And then uh, MLS throws a third tournament at him, which, as we've already talked about, would have been seven games in September, was an additional game in August. It really confused things. And Guillermo said, we did not plan for that. I, you know, I did not have my roster set for that. And he said, I wanted to play my best guys, but I couldn't because MLS comes first. And he said, now if, if they go into next season knowing that there's a third tournament, they will set their roster that way. But he said he really felt like he was blind. This is my word, not his, but he felt like they were blindsided by having another tournament thrown at them that didn't have a chance to plan for. Well, right now, as it would, as if, if it ended right now, the LA galaxy would be invited into that tournament next year. Um, so really the, the hope I think for galaxy fans of, of the galaxy avoiding that, uh, the, the league's cup tournament would be to win MLS cup, because that seems like a good way to get into the CONCACAF champions league. And if you're in the CONCACAF champions league, you cannot be in the league's cup. So we'll, we'll see how that ends up going. But I just thought that was interesting. U S open cup, by the way, coming up, uh, this week, I think on Tuesday night, uh, on Tuesday, yeah, Atlanta United versus uh, Minnesota. United, right? Did I get it right? Two Uniteds. Yeah, two Uniteds. United. You know, the the visiting team is flying there on United. I'm sure they are. They're united in the United U.S. United we stand. The the United we, yes, something like that. I'm done. That's it. That's enough. Um, You want to make an artichoke? No, you told me already. We don't need, by the way, when you told me that, I did laugh, which is, I don't know what that says about me. uh, But I appreciated that one, at least. I think that was one of your better bad jokes. (laughs) The, quirk, the quirky one strikes again. It, it, the quirky one strikes again. All right. Uh, if you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter on Twitter, you, yeah, I was going to say one, don't. But if you are, at KBaxter11. Uh, and then head over to the LA Times for all of his Los Angeles 
soccer coverage as well as the U.S. men's national team, U.S. women's national team. So please check that out. LATimes.com. Mr. Kevin Baxter over there. All right. If you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at Jay Guessman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N, and of course, at Galaxy Podcast. Head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. Still maybe one or two hammer stickers because they're ugly, creepy, and you could scare your friends with them. Uh, but those are on the website right now, so you can check those out. Uh, still have some scarves, and we're working on some other stuff before the end of the season. So... Uh, just around the corner, we got some stuff for you. So uh, check that out, cornerofthegalaxy.com. Click on the shop button, look for our podcast articles, recaps, all that stuff. And a big shout-out to Mr. Larry Morgan not on Twitter for, again, picking up the slack while I was not at the game. Larry is doing masterful things. He's not getting paid anything. So if you see Larry at the game, buy him a pretzel because he loves those pretzels at the game. He gets one almost before every game. So buy Larry Morgan a pretzel. That's my, uh, my new hashtag, buy Larry Morgan a pretzel. All right, that does it for Mr. Kevin. Panda Baxter. I almost screwed it up. Mr. Kevin Panda Baxter. I'm Josh Pato Guessman, and you've been listening to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy from the Box podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. And for all of your independent LA Galaxy news, discussion, and entertainment, including this podcast, head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. Fans, thanks for listening. We ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, Goodbye, everybody.